Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome everybody to episode 39 of Push Dose EMS, your monthly educational offering from the Milwaukee County Office of Emergency Management. I'm your host, Jeff Matcha. Joining me today, I have a large crew excited to talk about the topic. So going down my list, I see Chief Medical Director, Dr. Ben Weston. Dr. Weston, welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Happy to be here. Uh, Assistant Medical Director, Dr. Tom Growley. Dr. Growley, welcome. Hey, uh, EMS Division Director, Dan Podra. Welcome, Dan. Hi, Jeff. Uh, our, our EMS Fellow, Dr. Elijah Dahlstrom. Dr. Dahlstrom, welcome. Hey, Jeff. And our newest addition to our medical direction team, uh, Joel Valier. Joel, welcome. You want to give us a little little background on yourself? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I've been in the uh, emergency medicine system for uh, over 10 years now, uh, which is Amazing to think, uh, but I used to work in EMS prior to that as well as an EMT basic. So I think I, I come to the table with a little bit of experience and uh, knowledge background in regards to what we're talking about. I'm hoping uh, I can be beneficial to the team. We're excited to have you, Joel. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and our two special guests today, I have Dr. Lauren Brown. Dr. Brown, welcome. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Thank you very much, Jeff. So I'm Lauren Brown. Um, I am a pediatric emergency physician here in Milwaukee. Um, also a professor of pediatric and emergency medicine at the medical college. I actually serve as uh, an associate medical director for Milwaukee County EMS, really just running the pediatric side of things. Uh, and then I'm here today because for the last 10 years, I've been involved in CHAMP, which is the Charlotte, Houston, and Milwaukee pre-hospital research nodes. Uh, and I've been the site PI here in Milwaukee for those 10 years. So thank you. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Appreciate you taking the time out today. And then uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Dr. Manish Shah. Dr. Shah, welcome. Give you a moment to tell us about yourself as well. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for inviting me to be here. My name is Dr. Manish Shah. I am a pediatric emergency medicine physician at Baylor College of Medicine, Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, Texas. And I am also an EMS uh, investigator. I have been the site principal investigator for the Charlotte, Houston, and Milwaukee pre-hospital research node for the past 10 years. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Dr. Shaw. Great pleasure to have you with us for this month on the podcast. As usual, before we jump too heavily into our topic of the day, I will turn it over first to Dan Podra for any system updates. Thanks, Jeff. I'll be brief here. Really, today's talk, as a system is focused about research. Um, it's one of the, the many things that we do in partnership with the Medical College of Wisconsin and other organizations. Um, and today's talk's a little bit special. With the research that we do, it's complex, it's various in degrees of accomplishment. So we have anything from, you know, a retrospective data analysis all the way up to clinical intervention, which, you know, is not foreign to the Milwaukee County EMS system. Um, one of the really cool projects that I think uh, is super interesting with Milwaukee County EMS is the clinical trial of the pre-hospital 12-lead EKG back in the early 90s. Um, we were one of the first systems to, to prove that EMS could do a 12-lead in the pre-hospital setting. Now that is the gold standard of care. So we are very committed to not only having evidence-based research guidelines developed, but being a part of that process to develop those in research itself. Thank you to all the providers who do the groundwork to get that data for us so that we can partner with academic institutions and uh, come up with some of the best evidence-based practice. Um, today, we're going to focus more on some of the pediatric side. So not as only research, not necessarily a big part of many EMS systems, uh, but pediatric research is even more rare. 
and it's given as that it's a, a special patient population, really. So today you're going to hear about a couple of different research networks. Uh, PCARN is one and CHAMP is the other one. So PCARN is kind of the national one, but it's a pediatric emergency care applied research network. And then CHAMP is the specific node that uh, Milwaukee is participating in, and that is in partnership with Charlotte and Houston as well. There's nearly 350,000 runs that those three agencies do, and about 25,000 of those are pediatric calls. So we have a, a really healthy data set to look and get some collaborative pediatric research done across diverse systems there. One person that was very instrumental, and some of you may know her, uh, is Dr. Brooke Lerner, and getting involved in pediatric research, uh, specifically in the pre-hospital setting. Um, she helps shape a lot of the practices and guidelines that we even use today. Um, she's responsible for more than 135 peer-reviewed applications and publications, and she's also instrumental in bringing some of the, the best practices to the United States. So salt triage, for example, is one of those. Sadly, only a very short time ago, we lost our colleague, Dr. Lerner, to pancreatic cancer. So we owe her a tremendous debt of gratitude, and we hope to carry her work forward. Um, with the momentum that she initiated and, um, and that we're pushing forward. And specifically with this group today, I'm, I'm really looking forward to a great conversation about research. So thank you all. Excellent. Thank you, Dan. And with a message from our medical production team, uh, Dr. Weston. Thanks, Jeff. And, and thanks again, everybody, for joining. As Dan mentioned, for me as well, this is a, a special podcast, uh, and hopefully you'll find it to be so as well. Uh, about two weeks ago, Dr. Brooke Lerner passed away after a long battle with cancer. Uh, and for those of you who didn't know her, Brooke was a legend in EMS. She started her career as an EMT, and she went on to become a world-renowned researcher uh, with a long career, both here at MCW and then at Buffalo in New York. Now, the rationale we all use to determine injuries in kids, in their heads, in their C-spines, the SALT criteria for we use for triage, uh, and it's used all over the world, and so much more was pioneered by Dr. Lerner. Additionally, she was an incredible mentor, and she was a friend to me and to many. And so we're deeply grateful for the work that she's done and the friendship she had with so many. She will be deeply missed. Uh, and I'll hand it back to Jeff as we learn more from our guests, Dr. Brown and Dr. Shaw, about the work that she helped to advance, specifically through the CHAMPS and the PCARN Research Collaboratives. So thanks again for your time, and back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Dr. Weston, and again, Thank you and Dan for the kind words on Dr. Lerner. Definitely a great impact on our profession. And so without further ado, I will turn it over to Dr. Dahlstrom and our illustrious group of physicians for a little bit more in-depth conversation on PCARN and CHAMPS. So Dr. Dahlstrom, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you, Ben, and thank you, Dan. Today, uh, as we've hinted at already, we are going to be focusing on our pediatric research. And, and we really do a lot of pediatric research here in Milwaukee County. And really the, the hope with this specific podcast is to highlight that and all of the wonderful work that we're doing and um, the impact that we have. Briefly, again, I am the EMS fellow here at MCWN working with OEM. Um, and I am joined by Dr. Brown and Dr. Shaw, two brilliant and wonderful pediatric EM docs who do a ton of research here. And we are going to tell you all about um, CHAMP and PCARN today. Just drilling down a little bit into our objectives here. Uh, the first and foremost is I want to introduce anyone who's not totally familiar with these 
uh, we'll discuss what PCARN and what the subset CHAMP are. We're going to talk about some of the projects that have happened in the past, especially in Milwaukee. Um, there really are some very important works that have already occurred. And then lastly, we'll talk about things that are uh, currently ongoing and projects that are planned for the future. So with that, uh, Dr. Brown and Dr. Shaw, let's jump in with the most basic question. What is PCARN? Sure. Thanks, uh, Dr. Dahlstrom, for that, that question. Um, PCARN is the Pediatric Emergency Care Applied Research Network, and it has been in place for over two decades. Um, PCARN is actually funded through the Department of Health and Human Services um, Maternal Child Health Bureau. And within um, the Maternal Child Health Bureau is a program called the Emergency Medical Services for Children Program, also known as EMSC. And so within EMSC, PCARN is the evidence generating branch of what EMSC does to decrease morbidity and mortality for children when faced with a medical emergency or traumatic injury, either in the pre-hospital setting or in the hospital-based setting. Thank you for that. And, you know, specifically, uh, we're talking about Milwaukee here. What is CHAMP? How is it associated with PCARN? Sure. So PCARN is composed of seven different nodes, and those nodes each have clusters of three different sites. And historically, before 10 years ago, each of those sites focused on hospital-based research in emergency departments. And back 10 years ago, the Health Resources and Services Administration that funds PCARN really set a priority to integrate EMS research into what PCARN does. And I appreciate all the kind words for Dr. Brooke Lerner earlier on the podcast, because if it were not for Dr. Lerner, the work that PCAR now does with respect to pediatric EMS research, I don't think would exist. Uh, she truly was a pioneer in starting that CHAMP node. CHAMP is uh, the Charlotte, Houston, and Milwaukee pre-hospital research node. And we were the first EMS-specific node in PCARN that began in 2013. And since then, we, under Dr. Lerner's leadership uh, for the past 10 years, have been able to really lay a foundation and start the first pre-hospital-specific, federally-funded, network-wide research studies that PCARN has done. That's awesome. So we, we are kind of segueing into really the, the next bit of this, and that's uh, some of the history here, specifically with CHAMP and, and Milwaukee. And uh, we've, we've talked about, you know, Brooke Lerner really being absolutely instrumental in this getting set up in Milwaukee. Can you guys tell me a little bit more about the history, how all of this got started, you know, who's been involved over time? Absolutely. So as you mentioned earlier, Dr. Lerner was faculty in the Department of Emergency Medicine at uh, Medical College of Wisconsin. And so when that call first came from the Health Resources and Services Administration to have sites apply to form an EMS node within PCARN, it was really Brooke, uh, as we call her within our CHAMP node, it was really her and her vision to start that node that um, started everything off. And so she approached me and uh, Dr. Lauren Brown and Dr. John Studnick 
at the National Association of EMS Physicians meeting back in 2013 uh, to talk about forming a node. And so uh, we were all interested to have Milwaukee and Charlotte and Houston participate in uh, groundbreaking work to do pediatric EMS research in PCARN. And so under her guidance and leadership, we developed a grant proposal and submitted that and were successfully funded back in 2013. And since then, under her ongoing leadership, have been able to continue that funding every time the PCARN nodes have gone up for recompetition. Awesome. So we've talked broadly about PCARN and specifically CHAMP, which focuses on, you know, those three cities, Charlotte, Houston, and Milwaukee. And we know that CHAMP is pre-hospital based and pediatric based, but really what sort of things are we researching? What are kind of the bigger, broader topics that we're looking into with this research and, and what has been looked into thus far? Sure. So one of the first things that we did as a node uh, in our first couple of years was to redefine research priorities when it comes to doing pediatric EMS research. And um, this was something that Dr. Brown spearheaded in terms of writing up our research priorities as a network. Part of a method uh, that we used in, in doing that was to have field EMS professionals who are doing direct one-on-one -on -one patient care to contribute their ideas to really what are the gaps in knowledge that need to be addressed when it comes to pediatric care and what needs to be answered in order, in order to improve that care. And so some of the things that we identified back then and that we have since focused on are improving assessment and management of pain when it comes to pediatric injuries that occur in the pre-hospital setting. And that's something that Dr. Brown has focused on uh, for quite some time. And then my area of focus has been on improving how we assess and manage uh, pediatric seizures in the, in the pre-hospital setting since uh, seizures comprise one of the most uh, common reasons why someone will call an ambulance for a child. Other things that we have focused on as well are identifying who benefits most from going to hospitals with higher level pediatric resources to determine destination of transport. In addition, we have had investigators who have put forth proposals to improve asthma management, to improve airway management for children, and also to establish a better linkage of data between the pre-hospital setting and the hospital-based setting uh, by creating a network-wide EMS patient registry. Manish is wonderfully eloquent and has described these projects, but I wanted to come back to one part that he made. He talked about when we wrote the research priorities work, and we, we really solicited input from many different specialties, but including those frontline providers. This was a mission of Brooks. When she developed CHAMP and when she submitted her initial grant, a very essential part of that was a field advisory committee. So Charlotte, Houston, and Milwaukee, and this has been replicated at other sites in PCARD, including Buffalo and Denver, and these other sites that work with their EMS crews have a standing committee of four or five active pre-hospital clinicians who meet regularly, who come up with the research ideas, who uh, review the research proposals to make sure that they're feasible to do in the field, that they're worthwhile, that they're of high priority. And we've maintained that relationship for the last 10 years with those field providers. 
And so we have five members of the Milwaukee County EMS, five paramedics who meet with me every month. Sure, they're getting pretty sick of me, but we go through the research and they have informed this research. They make it better. They've come up with great ideas. And that, again, was Brooke Lerner's vision is that we had to involve the frontline provider in the research to be able to do high quality, high priority research. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Lauren. I want to echo that comment that that has been one visionary of Brooke to ensure that that was part of our structure in CHAMP to really involve the EMS professionals that are involved in one-on-one patient care uh, because the insight that they have provided on each of the research proposals that we have brought forth to them has been so insightful. When we have vetted ideas that either we within CHAMP or other investigators within the PCAR network have brought forth that focus on improving pre-hospital care for children. They really have some relevant feedback to give when it comes to how to implement a protocol or uh, the feasibility of having conversations with parents about research or the feasibility of collecting data in the moment or just the implications of dealing with critical situations on scene and the heightened emotion that comes when dealing with a critically ill child in the field. And so all of all of that feedback has been so helpful and has really informed the research that we do. And we value that feedback so much. Just to pose a hypothetical to the two of you here, we have a bunch of wonderful EMS providers within our system, very inquisitive, as you say, always kind of looking to see how they can you know, improve and ask important questions. If you know, one of these providers has an idea, how do they move this along and, and get this you know, uh, looked at more? Sure, I think that's a great question. I think that any... EMT paramedic within the agencies that are involved uh, in CHAMP or within PCARN, if someone has an idea, I think it's it's best to reach out directly to the site investigator for that city uh, within the, the, the CHAMP node or within PCARN itself. And so, for example, when I run my field advisory committee meeting once a month. There are times when our paramedics will come up with ideas and we'll talk about those ideas uh, together. And I think that that's really something that Brooke Lerner also wanted to promote is not just having EMS professionals give feedback on research ideas, but really having them understand how can they be part of the research as well. Uh, Coming up with the ideas, uh, vetting the ideas, and even being meaningful collaborators. And and it was really that perspective, I think, that helped with at least implementation of one of my studies that I'm leading right now, where when it came time to develop the education that we needed to develop for a protocol change involving those EMS clinicians who deliver patient care, to have them there part of the process as we were designing the curriculum, giving us feedback on on how to do it as well. Uh, I think that was uh, so helpful and so impactful. Thank you. Okay. So the both of you have been very heavily involved in in quite a lot of impressive research uh, through PCARN and through CHAMP. Dr. Brown, I know you've done a lot of look into pain management in pediatric population in the pre-hospital setting. Let's talk a little bit, you know, what, what sort of studies have you done? What were some of the findings? 
Sure, sure. Thank you very much. So um, as we talked about the research priorities um, that we set forth uh, about oh, it was in 2015, so it was eight years ago, again, developing these research questions and these priorities with the, the frontline providers, one of the things that was most concerning was um, the inadequacy with which we manage pain in the pediatric population. Now, this isn't unique to pre-hospital care. Um, we know study after study shows that even professionals like Manish and I in the emergency department underappreciate and undermanage pain in children. So for a long time, if you look back at the research that was done in the early 2000s into the mid-2010s, uh, basically all the research said that EMS clinicians didn't care about pain, they didn't treat pain, they didn't look for pain, they, uh, there was the old mantra of, you know, treat first what kills first. And so we wanted to first get an assessment of how well do we do this, and what is the current experience within our, our research network, so within Charlotte, Houston, and Milwaukee County's EMS systems, with assessing and managing uh, pain in children. So we looked only at children who were treated with suspected injuries in our EMS systems. And we found that um, about 18% of children who had a documented uh, moderate to severe pain severity score, so anything four or higher, about 18% of those children received a dose of opioids. And for all three of our systems, we all use fentanyl exclusively. So actually, that was better than previously reported. Uh, most of the previous literature would say that anywhere as low as 2% of children and as high as, as 10 or 12% of children would receive opioids. So we first noticed that maybe we were doing a little bit better job recognizing pain and managing it accordingly in the pre-hospital setting. Uh, so that was some of the first work we did. Uh, we started the SIP to broaden our scope a little bit. We involved actually 10 sites from across the country. Um, all of them were associated with PCARN. Uh, even though we have only three named sites in our CHAMP nodes, so Charlotte, Houston, and Milwaukee, CHAMP partners with Buffalo, um, also with Portland's EMS system to do um, high-quality research, and then all of the other PCAR nodes that are emergency department-based are affiliated with an EMS agency. So when we talk about doing pediatric EMS research, we have immediately at our disposal as many as 10 EMS agencies that are committed to pediatric research. Um, as Manish will talk about with his seizure study, um, we've invited as many as 20 uh, EMS sites to participate um, in research, which is um, wonderfully collaborative work and really helps to move the research forward. So we started to look at um, actually interviewing EMS providers when they drop off a patient in the emergency department who has an injury. We would uh, interview them about um, their decision-making process when it came to assessing and managing pain. Some of this research is still being uh, written up and is not in print yet, but I can tell you that really when you talk to the field provider, they are thinking about um, pain in injured children. They are assessing it, and then they are very thoughtful in their approach. Even though only 18% in our systems received fentanyl, more providers were telling us that, yeah, I realized this child was in pain. I, yes, I gave an opioid or no, I didn't give an opioid. When they didn't give an opioid, most of them were telling them, and this was the most common response was, I didn't give an opioid because I performed some non-pharmacologic intervention. I splinted the extremity. I put on a cold pack. You know, we elevated the extremity. I did something for the child's pain. And then once I did that, they didn't need the opioid anymore, which I think is a fantastic way to do, to yeah. practice medicine and to practice analgesia. But that's never been shown before because nobody's ever thought, nobody's ever asked the field provider, well, tell me what you were thinking and what you did. Um, and so we're really excited about those results to say, you know what, 
the EMS providers not only are thinking about pain, but they're probably managing pain more often than we think in the most appropriate way. Um, and I think that will do a lot to move forward with the discussion about how we manage pain in children. Thank you so much for for explaining all that. Yeah, it it is really wonderful that we can involve the EMS providers and discuss these you know other options for managing pain. And you know there there really is so much to that management in the pre-hospital setting that's not just medication based. Dr. Shaw, you've been doing quite a bit of research with seizures. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the the research that you've done? Absolutely. Similar to what uh, Lauren was describing about pain, we felt that it was important to really get a snapshot of what is happening when it comes to management of pediatric seizures in the pre-hospital setting. And so as a node uh, with Charlotte, Houston, Milwaukee, we did a study where we looked at uh, various aspects of management uh, when it comes to dosing, timing of medication, underdosing, overdosing, how often kids are still having a seizure when they arrive at the emergency apartment. Some things that we found were, were really interesting from that study that we did, uh, which involved uh, a little over 500 patients in the pre-hospital setting. And these were all children for whom a paramedic witnessed them having a seizure during EMS care. And, and so several things that we observed were that one out of three of these kids is having a seizure when they arrive at the emergency department. So that showed us that there's an opportunity to improve how we manage the seizures in the pre-hospital setting so that less kids are having the seizure when they show up in the emergency department. We also saw that half the kids we're getting the wrong dose of medication, which all the agencies that we studied uh, use midazolam. We found that not only were half of them getting the wrong dose, most of them were getting underdosed. And then we also saw that the time that it took from when the paramedic arrived on scene to actually getting the medication on board was about 14 minutes. And so, you know, one could look at this data and, and think, well, paramedics just need to follow their protocol better. but I knew that there was more to the story than that. I, I, I know that everyone goes to work to do the best job, especially with patient care. You go to work to deliver the best care possible. And that many times there are things, systems things that get in the way of delivering the care that we want to provide. And so we embarked on doing a qualitative study where we actually interviewed paramedics to find out, well, what makes it hard to follow your protocol? What makes it easy to follow the protocol? And we really learned some very interesting things from interviewing approximately 60 paramedics uh, um, among the three sites in CHAMP. One thing that we learned was it's easier to follow the protocol when there is clear dosing guidance, something that helps you to determine the dose quickly. Uh, so some sort of decision support tool, whether that's an app or a dosing table, something like that. We also heard lots of things that get in the way of following the protocol, um, having different guidance based on route. So having one dose for the IV route versus another dose for intramuscular or a protocol that says you should treat a febrile seizure one way and a non-febrile seizure a different way or a protocol that says you treat seizures in adults this way, but when it comes to kids, you treat it a different way. And so those things caused a lot of confusion, a lot of ambiguity, made it difficult to follow the protocol. And so 
We asked the paramedic, well, what would make it easier for you to follow the protocol as it's intended? And there were two main things they said. And one thing was just make the protocol simpler and take out the calculations. And really those two suggestions are what led to the study that we're now doing within PCARN, the Pediatric Dose Optimization for Seizures and EMS study, which implements age-based dosing that is standardized for pediatric seizure management. And we're conducting this study network-wide in 20 different metropolitan areas across the network. Thank you for sharing. So we have touched a lot on the history and all this wonderful research that's already been conducted. And we've started discussing some of the current ongoing research. I I just want to, once again, just reiterate, you know, EMS providers, you are very, very instrumental in all of this and your continued uh, collaboration is really helpful here. Dr. Shaw and Dr. Brown, what is the future? What are our next projects? What are the things that we need to be looking into going forward? So there's several studies that are currently going on within PCORN that are specific to the pediatric EMS population. And so one I just mentioned is uh, the PDDOS study, where we are looking at the efficacy of implementing an age-based pediatric seizure protocol in agencies in 20 different cities, and seeing if that contributes to less children arriving at the emergency department, still having an ongoing seizure, while still being as safe as the current care that's provided under the current protocols that EMS agencies are using. Another study that CHAMP is collaborating on with Dr. Henry Wang is the Pediatric Pre-Hospital Airway Resuscitation Trial. And this is a really exciting trial where we are comparing bag mass ventilation to supraglottic airway placement to determine which one leads to better outcomes. And then whichever one wins out of those two will be compared to endotracheal intubation. And in EMS, it has been over 20 years since we've had an airway trial specific to pediatric EMS. And in that trial uh, by Dr. Marion Gaucher-Hill, the comparison was between bag mass ventilation and endotracheal intubation. And now that supraglottic airways have really become widely used in children in the pre-hospital setting, we're excited that this study PD part is happening and we'll really be able to answer the question about whether bag mass ventilation or supraglottic airway placement is better for kids. And then whichever one is better out of those two to then be able to compare it to endotracheal intubation in 10 different EMS agencies across the country. And then finally, another study that is underway is the Treating Respiratory Emergencies in Children Study, or T-REX, which is being led by Dr. Matt Hansen to evaluate adherence to evidence-based practice for asthma management in the pre-hospital setting. So these three studies, PD-DOSE, PD-PART, T-REX, these are studies that are currently underway in the PCAR network, but there are also studies that are on the horizon that either originated from the CHAMP node or where CHAMP investigators have had the opportunity to collaborate with other investigators to study the effectiveness of using video teleconsultation for providing online medical direction. That is being led by Dr. Tanaz Boyle, and she's just submitted her grant for that. We have another concept that's been approved by the network that's being led by Dr. Matt Hansen to look at the optimal way to ventilate patients who have an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. 
another study being led by Dr. Jen Fish to study how we implement pediatric asthma guidelines into practice in EMS agencies. And then finally, uh, another concept that's been approved within the network to take PD dose and to evaluate whether there are disparities in care in seizure management in children. And that's being led by Dr. Victoria Hartwell. And this is exciting as well because it is an opportunity to utilize a funding mechanism in the National Institute of Health to promote career development for those who have been historically underrepresented in medicine. And so Dr. Victoria Hartwell is faculty at um, the University of Cincinnati, Cincinnati Children's Medical Center, and she'll be submitting a grant for that in early 2024. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Dr. Shah, Dr. Brown, we are coming toward the end of this podcast. Is there any other last things you want to share? Anything else you want to say? I would just like to reiterate that I don't think any of this would be possible uh, if it were not for the leadership of Dr. Brick Lerner. I am ever grateful to her for her mentorship in my own career and really for her visionary leadership of the Champ Node um, and really being a strong advocate for integrating EMS research into the PCAR network. And so, you know, it's been exciting to talk with you about the last 10 years of CHAMP and PCARN. And as we've had that conversation, I, I've just been really just impressed upon the impact that Dr. Lerner had, not just on me, but also on um, the work that is now being done in the PCAR network when it comes to pediatric EMS. Yeah, and I would very much echo those sentiments, right? So one of the things that's become amazing to see after Brooks passing was announced was the number of individuals who have, I've heard talk about the mentorship she provided. Um, and I am one of those. My career and what I've accomplished, almost all of it is tied back to Brooke in some way or another. And it's because she took the time when I was a brand new faculty and had no idea what I was doing to show me how to do this job. Um, and then to be a source of encouragement and guidance throughout my career. She will be sorely missed. But I was not alone. I used to think that I was kind of, Brooke was my mentor. Well, Brooke was mentor to dozens of individuals uh, across the world. And as we've seen, just the condolences and the well wishes come out and support for her family. They have come from national organizations that she supported and influenced. They have come from international um, investigators who recognize the impact that she's had on, on, on their career, on the progression and the advancement of, of pre-hospital care. And so I thank Manish for his kind words. I also want to thank the EMS clinicians. Right, we, we couldn't do this work and we haven't been able to do this work without you. And it is amazing to see the dedication in, in our system. And I know that, that Manish feels the same way with in Houston, that you guys do, the, the pre-hospital pre providers do a hard job. Um, and then to throw research on top of it is not always easy or convenient. Um, but there is a sense of an understanding of the importance of generating new evidence so that we can improve the care we deliver. And I'm grateful for that. We need to do a better job as investigators of when these projects are completed and the evidence has changed and we're we need to feed that back to the frontline providers and help them understand the impact that they've had on improving the care of, of children in the, in the pre-hospital setting. I'm grateful for this time. Thank you for inviting us. 
Yes. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Thank you, Dr. Shaw. We very, very much, we are grateful for your time coming here and talking with us. And I'm sure our EMS providers also would extend thanks. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Just in wrapping up this podcast, I just want to hit on a few take-home points for our listeners at home. So first, I want us to take home that CHAMP is an arm of PCARN. This is all targeting pre-hospital research for pediatric patients in the Charlotte, Houston, and Milwaukee areas. And as we discussed here, really, it's quite a bit broader than that. We have quite a few sites that are involved in this research. I want everyone to take away that Milwaukee really does have a rich history in pre-hospital research through CHAMP and PCARN. There are many studies going on right now or that are going to continue to come out through CHAMP. Lastly, I want to really impress upon everyone the EMS personnel engagement. This is crucial to the high quality of research that we continue to produce. Really, really continue to be curious, continue to be asking these tough questions and continue to engage with us. We we really appreciate all the work that you do. My last bit here is just once more, I want to take a moment to remember uh, Dr. Brooke Lerner and all of the wonderful contributions that she has made. Thank you, everyone. That is all I have. Well, thank you, Dr. Dahlstrom, for leading us through that discussion. Some really great information there. A special thanks to Dr. Brown and Dr. Shaw. Greatly appreciate your time and coming to talk to us your wealth of experience and knowledge and your dedication to pediatric research and EMS research in general. For those who had any interaction with Dr. Lerner or understand the effects that that her work and dedication to the EMS field has played in our day-to-day operations, if you're able, there is the Dr. Brooke Lerner Research Fund grant uh, available through the National Association of EMS Physicians. Uh, anybody able or interested in donating to that grant fund, it would be greatly appreciated. There will be a link to that fund in the description of this podcast. And with that, I thank every one of you for taking the time out to listen. Thanks for everybody that was able to join on the podcast today. Uh, Until next month, stay safe.